y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, All Things Considered co-host Audie Cornish and co-host of the Code Switch podcast, Gene Dendy. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend. So we're pretty much exactly halfway through 2020, a very hard year, and we're walking right into a holiday weekend. So I wanted to give us, my panelists and our listeners, a break. So this is a very special mid-year, good vibes only episode of It's Been a Minute. I have brought two all-star panelists on the show this weekend to talk fun, and later we're going to talk about fun music and have a special guest talk us through some songs that can give you all a bit of uplift in these weird and strange times. With that, let's kick it off. The fun episode. Uh, my panelist, Audie Cornish, host of NPR's All Things Considered, and Gene Demby, host of NPR's Code Switch podcast. Welcome to you both. Hey, thanks for having us. What's good, man? I'm better now hearing y'all's voices. Thank you both for being here in a busy, busy week. From of what I understand, both of you really shouldn't be working right now. <laughs> Audie, you're on but baby we leave you. with a newborn. And Gene, you're on vacation. Yeah, it's my one year anniversary is coming up, and so I'm trying to get out of here. Oh, my goodness. I feel horrible. Sorry, guys. No, I'll keep it quick. You know, we wouldn't do it for <laughs> anyone else. Exactly. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, so I want to talk about stuff that y'all are reading and watching and consuming during this moment in which we have all of this time at home. But I first want to note that, like, I don't think it's just me. I think everyone's consumption habits in terms of media have been totally upended by 2020. Absolutely. No one's going to the movies. But the weirdest tidbit I saw and how our consumption is changing, y'all. Bloomberg reported in June that even though all of music streaming has fallen in the last few months, the streaming of country music and children's music is up. Hmm. From the kids' point of view, that makes sense because I have listened to a lot of (laughs) the wheels on the bus. I mean, so much (laughs) wheels on the bus. For a kid who has not yet gone to school, my kid is like, Two and a half. The bus is an abstraction to him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I believe that the country music thing, I don't know. That's interesting. It's probably um, just me playing over and over the entire discography of Shania Twain and Casey Musgraves. Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to say Old Town Road. Do they Wait, does Spotify count that as country yet? Remember, that was a big fight. That was the big hey, controversy. Hey, we're in yeah. the middle of a civil rights movement, okay? Maybe <laughs> Old Town Road is finally getting its due. Yes. What have y'all consumed the most of? Like, what what in y'all's consumption has gone up the most? Oh, man. So I did not appreciate the, like, boundlessness of the Netflix, uh, like, competition show. Like, so I hate those shows, but my wife loves those shows. And so there was one that was, like, sort of, like, like sort of funky topiaries. And I'm like, yo, you don't even, since when do you like horticulture? Like, why are we watching this, right? If like, you oh, make like, fun of I'm the glass-blowing competition show, we're done. The glass-blowing like, competition. <laughs> anyway, I want to pivot now and ask y'all about things you actually enjoy watching, <laughs> not things you hate watching with your spouse. Um, <laughs> I want us to offer some holiday weekend viewing, reading, listening recommendations. Uh, and I know that y'all have some good picks. So I am going to let Gene start. Oh, man. What good binge do you have to recommend to our listeners this weekend? So this is more than a weekend binge. It's like you might need to take some time as you like work through it, but it's, it's best like experienced in one fell swoop. So uh, 
that would be BoJack Horseman, which is a show that I came to wildly. Like, I was not paying attention to it. Um, and I picked it up just because so many people that I really respect were like, yo, this show is really good. And I couldn't figure out why they liked it so much. It just, to me, looked like, on the surface, a show about, you know, animal puns. It's an animated horse, right? He's an animated horse who, at first, it seems like the conceit is, oh, he's a washed-up uh, TV star from the 90s who's trying to get his life back on track. This is my last chance to make people love me again. If this goes out, everybody's going to see the real me. Um, and we sort of seen versions of that before, right? But what it ends up becoming over the course of his run is this really, really sharp exploration of mental health. That voice, the one that tells you you're worthless and stupid and ugly. Yeah. It goes away, right? It's just like a dumb teenage girl thing, but then it goes away. Yeah. Okay, you got to sell me on this, Gene. I almost don't know how to do it justice because it is like one of the most smartly written things I've ever seen. And I was I was surprised that every few episodes we get past, I was like, how is this show this good and this smart and doing this many things? It was both doing really sophomoric humor. It's like stupid, again, like animal puns. And then there would be these format-breaking episodes. It was doing all, it was sort of operating on all cylinders. One episode that's literally just a monologue from the main character at the funeral of a person who's very important to him. So I stopped at a jack-in-the-box on the way here, and the girl behind the counter said, Hiya, are you having an awesome day? Not, how are you doing today? No, are you having an awesome day? Which is pretty because it puts the onus on me to disagree with her. Like, if I'm not having an awesome day, suddenly I'm the negative one. It's sort of talking about grief and trauma in a way that does not feel like punishment. Although it is, by the time you get to the end, it will feel devastated and you will feel like you've gone through some things. Like, and the, the voice cast is ridiculous. Like, you will watch the show... And you will stop every 10 minutes. It'd be like, who was that? And it's always like some random super famous person like Paul McCartney or whatever it is. Or Audie Cornish. Um, yeah, we should sidebar right here. I don't know the show, but I do know that Audie Cornish has been on the show. I have not been on the show, so to speak. There's a running gag where one of the characters, her cell phone ring is always the voice of a public media host. Um, so both Robert Siegel and I did this once. I'm Robert Siegel. And I'm Audie Cornish. Which involved us just kind of like saying this is all things considered from NPR News and the producers of the show wildly laughing each time. Uh, and then that's eventually got run on, on, the, on the show. For Thursday, October 12th, this is All Rings Considered. Do you like it, Adi? I love the show. I think it's the kind of thing that if it was live action, if it was with people, it actually might be too mm. hard to watch. And yep, it's yep. a scenario where someone who is an alcoholic, who has depression, anxiety, other characters on the show, uh, one is a cat who is his agent and she's wrestling with kind of the balance between um, work and what her uh, aspirations are to have a child. It's actually quite intense and it actually makes it easier to watch when you see these things with kind of animals mm. performing it. The other thing about the show is it, it, it's perfect for this moment because it's the kind of show we've all heard about and haven't gotten around mm -hmm. to watching maybe. And you mm -hmm. have that one friend who's like, you got to watch BoJack. It's about a horse, man. And you're just like, I don't need this. <laughs> but this is the moment when you can like check out things that maybe were overwritten about. It's nice to watch things in a quieter yeah. moment um, without everybody's chatter. All right, BoJack Horseman, it's on my list. I promise I will watch. All right, I want to hear what you think. Okay, I will let you know. Audie, it's your turn. What should we be watching right now? 
Um, if you want to see something new, you should definitely check out Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, which is streaming on HBO. First yeah. of all, it's new. <laughs> and so many <laughs> yep. shows kind of like fell off a cliff because of COVID and weren't able to continue with production. You know, Fox's Empire comes to mind. It had a very kind of truncated ending to its entire Wait, run I of show. Empire was still on. I thought it went away after Jesse. I'm oh, yeah. diehard. I watch it all, way, all the way to the end. Oh, my God. And then other wow. shows are kind of on pause because they're waiting to be, you know, for their, like the rest of us, some kind of ability to continue with production. Um, Michaela Cole was behind the uh, hit show Chewing Gum, uh, for which she won a lot of BAFTAs. Um, she's from the UK. And that show was very broad humor, over the top, based on her personal story of being kind of a young immigrant woman in the kind of council estates um, in London, trying to lose her virginity. Uh, I'm, I'm a virgin. Oh, that's cool. We could just have a little play. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, we're definitely having sex. I'm just saying I can't do tricks, you know? You know, it was sort of silly and fun and poignant. I May Destroy You is very firmly planted in the real and in the now mm -hmm. and in dating culture and in conversations that we have all been having over the last couple of years about, mm -hmm. in a word, consent. Now, I'm only bringing that up because if you Google this, you're going to see something really absurd, which is like a consent drama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the heck that is. I don't know why they're advertising it this way. What it is is a really amazing portrait of a young woman who's on the cusp of real maturity, um, who does go through a sexual assault that she has to kind of um, piece together. It happens to her after she has been um, drugged. And she also is on the cusp of a, a big career, like Cole herself. It just mm -hmm. feels very lived in and real, and her acting mm -hmm. is incredible. Yes, I mean, my goodness. if you're a fan of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who was behind Fleabag, you were definitely going to be a fan of Cole because she is the same kind yes. of talent. This very like, wait a second, this mm -hmm. woman wrote this. She also, and you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is help it. She's yep. the producer of it. She's the star of it. Like, I, how many yeah. talents can you have? It's it's actually it's not yes. fair at a certain yeah. point. And it, one of the things about the show because it is so sharply written it's sometimes like like a little uncomfortable to watch it's like how much of this has to be from her life because it is so so yeah specific. and i mean it's not a spoiler alert to say that the idea of the plot does come from her personal life she revealed a few mm -hmm. years back that she had been sexually assaulted in a bar um after being drugged and um when she came to uh and over time pieced together what had happened she was very disappointed with the reaction of um the kind of producers and people that she had to work with from the studio that she was writing for who seemed to continue mm. to make demands on her despite the fact that she had gone through this really terrible trauma and right. so part of the story is also about the demands on creative people and what we expect mm -hmm. the demands on um, black women in particular in terms of being strong quote unquote and being able to survive things and to just show up and come back to work yeah so there, there's a lot going on in this show and then it's it can be really funny there just can be moments oh, yeah. where mm -hmm. I really was, just laughed well, out loud yeah. and surprised myself. Well, that's what um, I like about the show. It's surprising. Yeah. Like, I keep trying to say what the show is to my friends to convince them to watch <laughs> it, but you can't put it in a box. Is it a mm -hmm. comedy? Is it a drama? And 
that makes you follow her wherever she goes. Like, I do not know where this show is going. I'm three episodes in. I have no idea what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. In this moment where I think we're all a little bit frazzled and fried and bored and seeking novelty, um, you know, not to hate on another offering from that same streaming network, but, like, did we need another Perry Mason? Uh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like, it's nice to see some originality and it's nice to see something that is captivating and that genuinely you don't know where it's going to go next. Last point on this, but speaking of you don't know where it's going to go next... The ways in which this show surprises you every few minutes are just astounding. There's this scene when Michaela Cole's character is too drunk at a bar and about to walk herself or pull herself out of the bar. She's tripping over tables, falling over. And these scenes happen a lot in shows. And usually you'll play like some loud EDM or house music to show the extreme nature of the club and the drunkenness. But in this scene where she's stumbling out of the bar, way too drunk, probably drugged, they play a gospel song. They play an old gospel song called It's Mm. Gonna Rain by Reverend Milton Brunson. And it shouldn't work. Hearing this gospel choir sing as she drunk stumbles out of a bar, but it does. And I've never seen that kind of juxtaposition, but this show is full of juxtapositions like that that just work. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how this is treated in award season, if there is an award season, because I find that sometimes shows in, in which um, people are behaving in ways a society kind of expects them to anyway, are they're not considered acting, um, because like I kind of think that's who they are anyway. You know, when you think mm-hmm. back to um, uh, Gabourey Sidibe in, in Precious, uh, exactly. She's completely not like you know her character in Precious in any way, shape, or form. It is the was a supreme kind of virtuosic performance. But in a way, you wonder: Did people really give it that same consideration? Um, mm-hmm. And I think with this show, mm-hmm. Cole and the other actors and actresses in this program are so good. Um, I hope people really understand the, the kind of work that they're doing. Yeah, it, listeners, if you take nothing else from this episode, take this. You have to go watch I May Destroy You. It will destroy you, but in the best way. (laughs) All right, listeners, time for a break. When we come back, we're going to try and answer a question. Will there be a song of the summer for 2020? Or will that, like all fun this year, be canceled? We'll take a trip down summer song memory lane with my favorite game, Who Said That, after the break. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Verbo. Summer is here, and vacation is just a drive away. Search thousands of nearby vacation rentals on Verbo to find your family a private home all to yourselves, where you can spread out, chill out, and feel that vacation feeling again together. Book the home that makes the vacation. Download the Verbo app. That's V-R-B-O. This message comes from NPR sponsor Witness Docs, presenting Unfinished Deep South. The new investigative true crime podcast sets out to answer a dark question looming over a small Arkansas town since 1954. Who lynched Isidore Banks? A wealthy African-American farmer and World War I veteran who found a way to prosper in the Jim Crow South, the show sets out to restore Isidore Banks' legacy. Listen to Unfinished Deep South in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. There are only five months to go until Election Day, and every week, or even every few hours, there's a new twist that could affect who will win the White House. To keep up with the latest, tune in to the NPR Politics Podcast every day. 
to find out what happened and what it means for the election. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, your host, joined this weekend by two distinguished panelists, two play cousins, as I call them, Gene Demby of NPR's Code Switch podcast and Audie Cornish of NPR's All Things Considered. You've actually heard Audie in this podcast feed before because you brought us, what, two conversations previously, one with Nicole Byer and the other with... Viola Davis? Yes, Viola Davis. Yeah. Listeners, go back in the feed to find those. They were both wonderful sermons. I loved it. All right, question for you both. Is there going to be a song of the summer this summer? I mean, there could be, because I have to tell you, anytime someone's driven past my house with the windows down playing music, I have just been like, respect. <laughs> because there are some things that I need to feel like it's summer, and that is mm-hmm. a good socially distanced activity. Yeah. Well, also, I think that what you need for a song of the summer is to have summer experiences linked to the song. Yeah, I heard right. it in every nightclub. I heard it at every party. I heard it outside at the park. I heard it at every picnic. We're not having any of those experiences right now. So we can't bond with any one song enough to make it feel like Song of the Summer. Mm-hmm. But I will say, if I had to pick one, it would be this song that's taken off on TikTok. I know for exactly all the, the song memes these kids make. The song "Bored in the House." Y'all heard that one? No, but it sounds bored brilliant. in the house. I'm in the house. Bored in the house. Yeah, all these kids are making TikTok videos, railing against being stuck in the house. Bored. They're hilarious. Bored in the house. Bored. In a way, TikTok is the radio station of the summer. Absolutely. It's the new MTV. It's really intriguing. Speaking of songs of the summer, because there's no clear consensus on what 2020's song of the summer will be, I want to take a walk down memory lane and play a special edition of my favorite game, Who Said That?, where we uh, talk about some of my favorite summer songs or unfavorite. The game this week will be very simple. I will share not a quote from the news this week, but I will share a lyric of some song of the summer from years past. Y'all have to guess the song, and you get extra points if you can guess the year or decade. You ready? (laughs) You can do it. Okay. All right. This first song, uh, it's actually one of my favorite songs ever, but it was a summer bop for a long, long summer many, many years ago in my childhood. Here are a few of the lyrics. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling, an earthly feeling. I believe in the faith that grows. And the four chords can make me cry. I'm not going to sing it for you. No, no, you you should... You should sing. You should, you should sing. <laughs> I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling, oh, a earthly feeling. Okay. I believe in the faith that grows, and do, the flowers can do, make do, me do, cry. Do, yes. Do, do, do. Who is that? Third Eye Blind. Yes. Name of the song. Semi Charmed Kind of Life. Yes. What Semi-ca- year? Semi Charmed. Ninety-seven. Uh, yes. Nine, Whoa! Nice. I think I well think done. y'all both will share the point. Well done. Yeah, Listen, teamwork makes well, the well dream done. work. I think Gene was like six when that came out, so this no, is really impressive. No, I was definitely in college. That was my introduction to white people music. <laughs> that song is probably their biggest hit, Semi-Charmed Life. Um, Jumper, God, right? It's a beautiful song. But it's Jumper all about crystal meth. The whole album's about drugs. Wait, like what? Semi-Charmed Life is about crystal meth. Jumper what? is about suicide. Suicide. Dirt Wait, Eye Blind is have a dark we fact-checked this? What are you saying to me right now? You're trying I'm to blow up my childhood? Google the lyrics. All right, uh... Who's going to get that point? Because Audie said the band name first, but Gene, you got the song name and the year first. 
We'll give you both a point. All right, so we're tied 1-1. Tied 1-1. All right, here are the next lyrics from an iconic song of the summer from years past. The art of playing games now is not the hearts you break. It's about good love you make. Uh, When uh, his heart's on fire, give him love every day. Oh, it's en vogue. Uh, hold yes. on. I was literally singing this in the kitchen the other day <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know why. It just came to me unbidden. Ooh, my first mistake. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. That was nice. I cannot see him on the Zoom, but I saw those shoulders. <laughs> I was six when it came out, and I can still sing every word. Uh, hold on by In Vogue was from the debut album Born to Sing. And I loved In Vogue because they were definitely a, like, girl group cooked up in a lab. Like, there were yep. auditions for a girl group, and they were all put together. But all of them could sing, and it they seemed like really they sing. all, like, worked well together. Yeah, until, like, it's funny because if you read about them now, it's like they had this rotating cast because somebody's always on the outs. Like, some combination of three of them is always performing. And it happens. Itself, a band know? is a band. I mean, try going yeah. to Fleetwood Mac show. Um, I do think that <laughs> they <laughs> are, were so influential for young women singers of this decade. Because like you said, you were even very little at that time. You knew all the words. I mean, the music was really, mm-hmm. like, impressive. And, and uh, there are lots of young singers out here who... I think they listen to a fair bit of En Vogue on the radio. Oh, yeah. All right, so this last lyric is from a song that was a song of the summer a few years ago, and that's a song that I actually actually hate. Like, I hate this song viscerally. (laughs) And I'm guessing y'all probably hate it, too. Uh, Here we go. Here's the lyric. She took my arm. I don't know how it happened. We took the floor and she said, Oh, don't you dare look back. Just keep your eyes on me. I said your whole thing. Shut back. up and dance she with me. Shut up and dance <laughs> with up. me. Yes. <laughs> I hate Aww. this song. Dance with me. Oh, I hate this song. I think that that is a <laughs> wedding song. It is. It is. And let me tell you, it's all kind of, of the weird uncles who had been sitting at the reception all night. When this song comes up, they get up kicking and screaming and they punch them in the face by accident. I hate this song. Yeah, it, it is a incredibly great song. Like, I, it's such a. <laughs> yeah. it's I don't such think an it's that song. bad. I mean, I don't love it, but it's a song written for people who don't want to dance, which is very charitable. Right? It's like from the perspective (laughs) of a person who's like, I don't know how to dance and I can't dance. And I'm one of those men who think like only ladies dance. The song about a woman's emotional labor then. Yeah. (laughs) Even more reason to hate it. It's like, look at this. Speaking of labor... Gene, it seems like you worked harder than Adi in this game because you won. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, you know, I really, you can't beat no. the youth. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fine young man. Incorrigible, oh. Adi Corner. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, I am so grateful that we had this little family reunion. It was so delightful Likewise. to have you both on yes. the show this weekend. Cheered me up, and you're going to cheer up our listeners as well. All right, listeners, after the break, more music. But it's going to all be good. We're going to talk with gospel music legend Kirk Franklin. He has a list of songs that can offer us some inspiration and uplift in 2020. That is after the break. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. 
Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Minute to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. The past is never past, and every headline has a history. I'm Ramtin Arablouei. I'm Randa Abdel Fattah, and we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's history podcast. Each week, we go back in time to better understand the present, bringing lesser-known stories and perspectives to the surface. Subscribe and listen to Throughline from NPR. We're back. So, for the last two weeks, we have been spending a lot of time on this show talking about two big news stories the pandemic, and all the protests across the country and the world over police brutality. In those conversations, I'm really proud of every single one of them. But I will tell you a little secret that was not at all the plan for June. For months, we had been planning to make all of the June episodes of It's Been a Minute all about faith and spirituality and belief, how it shapes us, how we reject it or run towards it, and what it can offer in this very strange year. We had a bunch of stuff taped and ready to go, but the news, as we all know, has been moving in some crazy directions this year, and we decided every week of June to speak to the moment. So right now we have this big file folder full of very spiritual, super soul Sunday-esque conversations just sitting on our shelf. Some of those chats you may never hear. Sorry, folks. But some, I really think you have to, still. So right now, I'm going to share with you one of those conversations. I rarely fanboy, but it is such an honor to talk with you. I have been listening to your music since I was a little bitty kid. And You're it's trying like, to make me cry. It's him. You- this is all a setup. This, this, <laughs> they put somebody like you with this great heart on the phone, oh, and goodness. y'all are trying to break me down. I know what this is. This is an NPR conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. That is Kirk Franklin. He's a gospel musician, a choir director, a singer, a songwriter, and author, and a big deal in the church world. Growing up, I played the saxophone in my church band in Texas for years, and I performed so many of Kirk's songs in church growing up, I can't even count. His music has brought me a lot of comfort in dark times, which is why I chose to share this chat with you this weekend. Kirk and I spoke in May before police killed George Floyd and before protests over his death began. But a lot of what Kirk shared in that May conversation about how music can help us through a lot, it still fits this moment that we are in right now. What's been the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around is like, not that things are different, but that that we don't know when the difference will end. We don't know when this is over. We don't know when it's normal again. Right. And that's the hardest part for me. Right. What's been the hardest part for you? Oh, man, the hardest part for me is I think when I still continue to see people fighting at Red Lobsters and and (laughs) getting into scuffles at Costco's and and, 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 and to still see in this time still this apathy, Mm. this this lack of compassion and and, in a dark moment in history like this, it's almost like, well, man, how much more darker does life have to get for people to kind of start seeing the need for love and compassion. And so, 
you know, that can be heartbreaking, you know, you know, even in the midst of all of the yeah. positive, inspirational songs, I think it's a true conversation to talk about, man, what happened to the love? Mm, mm, okay. <laughs> Is there a song that you go back to throughout your life that you just can lean on in dark moments? Everyone has a song or two where you're like, that's my song. And when I need it, I go to it and it comforts me in some way. You know, is there one of those for you? Well, the first thing I want to say to everyone listening is that you can tell that this young man comes from the church. Because when I say something that's good to him, he goes, mm, mm. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. I love it, yo. <laughs> yes, I love sir. it. Every little thing. Mm, you spotted mm. me. You can take the church kid out of the church. You can never actually yes. take the church out of the kid. <laughs> never, 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 never. You know, it's I think that when I do need messages to remind me of of a bigger plan, a bigger picture. You know, as I think I listen to a lot of old school gospel. I may pull back an old Andre Crouch or old Vanessa Bell Armstrong, He'll Never Let You Down. I may listen to uh, uh, old Walter Hawkins, Thank You, Lord. The great thing about Thank You, Lord, is that is a song that can go on, like, for 15 minutes if you wanted to. Bro. We used to play it in church all the time. Bro. And, like, you could just vamp on that last part as yes. long as you want. As long as you want. And everybody's there with you. Like, nobody's like, okay, uh-huh. I got to go home. Everybody's like, no, keep that thing going. He writes in the first verse, tragedies are commonplace, all kinds of diseases, people are slipping away. Economy's down, people can't get enough pay. But as for me, all I can say is thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Yeah, buddy. That is just right for this just moment. Right, isn't it? <laughs> wow. And then and it just right. And I think that that's that's the power of gospel music. Like, you know, it's hard to pull up a right now a old MC Hammer song, you know, <laughs> and it speaks, you know, and I love Hammer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you know, when you want to pull from a deep well, those old gospel joints, you know, that has meat on the bone. There you go. It has meat on the bones. I want to tell you a song that I've been listening to of yours that's been inspiring for me. Uh, no, it's good. It's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, all of your albums have meant a lot to me, but I was in a particularly rough place when you released uh, The Rebirth of Kirk Franklin. Mm. And one of the songs that I remember playing literally on repeat, driving up Highway 35 from San Antonio to Lockhart to get to church and all over the place, Mm. was Brighter Day. Uh. The lyrics are great, but there's that moment when the choir gets to the end where they just sing Brighter Day. Yeah. Over and over. Brighter Day, over and over and over. Over and over and over again. And you just let them go at it for like... Gosh, three or four minutes of just brighter day. Yes. I like that right now. It feels really good for me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That's, that's very humbling. Very humbling. And I believe that. It's, I yeah. believe yeah. that in some supernatural way, regardless of the how, the where, and the winds, that, you know, that there's a brighter day. If you had to write a song for this moment, if someone said, Kirk, your assignment for the next week or two is to write a song, a new song, to comfort people in the midst of this pandemic and sickness and unemployment and just sad times. What does that song feel like? What goes into how you think about writing those words? You know, it's funny. There is a song that God loaned me during this time. I haven't done anything with it. Mm. But the uh, lyrics say, uh, Mm. 
see, I don't know how, and I can't tell you when, mm-hmm. when our fears will all fade and a new season begins. But still I know how, how this story will end. I believe God for more, and if he did it before, he will do it again. Wow. <laughs> I think that's going to be a great song. I pray. I pray it will be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> How, last question for you. Do you find that people are receiving your music or all music a little differently in this moment of calamity? Is I believe so. And and at the same time, I hope so. You know, it's uh, the harsh reality is that this world, as much as we build it up and we dress it up with, with designer clothes and nice cars and big homes, it's fragile. And like a beautiful flower, it's fading. And, and so mm. I subscribe to a truth that there's life after this. You know, and I think it's really important, you know, because we have an audience with this show. You know, some folks are Christians yeah, hearing this. Yeah. Some folks are yeah, not. Yeah. A lot of folks have different belief systems. But yeah. I think the message of this conversation and the message of gospel music is actually universal. And is this idea that there is good news and there will always be something good to look forward to ahead. Mm. And that's what's important to keep in mind, whether or not we are following this or that faith tradition. This idea that there is something good in front of us is a thing we really have to hold on to right now, especially when the news headlines keep getting crazier and crazier every day. There's something better out there coming. Yeah, yeah. As you say in the song, brighter day, yeah, yeah. brighter day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even imagine to me, it's even more doper that love leads the narrative. Like, wouldn't that be super beautiful, too, if we also can change the narrative of systemic issues that have been politicized and and dogma that has alienated everybody from realizing that, you know what, man, there's room here for me, too. There's room. Jesus opens his arms up, you know, man, there's room for everybody. Not everybody, but everybody, (laughs) you know. Everybody. everybody. I like that. I'm from Texas, you know. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, from everybody. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. Well, on that note, uh, I have so enjoyed this time with you and talking with you and just being able to thank you for all the work that you have done and are doing you hear this all the time i'm sure but your work is an inspiration and a light and i appreciate you so much for what you do thank you sir it's an honor thanks again to gospel legend and really nice guy minister kirk franklin i appreciate you you can find more of kirk's music at his website kirkfranklin.com or on Spotify, or on Apple Music, or wherever you get your music. Listen to this man's music. It is so uplifting. Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag, and they do. Let's hear a few of those submissions. Hello, Sam. This is Lindsay. And this is Alec. And we are calling you from Holland, Michigan, where we got married in my parents' backyard yesterday. It was a smaller ceremony than we had initially planned, but it was absolutely perfect because our family was there and the sun was out. And now we are headed to Traverse City for our mini moon. Hi, Sam. This is Emily from Westchester, Pennsylvania. The best part of my week is right now. It's officially summertime. I'm still so proud of all my students for working hard and all of my teacher friends for making the transition to online learning. Hi Sam, this is Nicole. 
the best thing that happened to me this week was that I got two job offers and I accepted one of them. Hi Sam, this is Jackson in Brooklyn. Today I celebrated what would have been my dad's 70th birthday by closing on my first apartment. Hey Sam, the best part of my week was receiving my nine month chip for nine months of sobriety. I've been in a recovery program and it's basically saving my life. Hey Sam, it's JC in Westwood. Five years ago, I was in an INS detention camp awaiting deportation. This week, I got sworn in as an American citizen. Best week ever. I love what you do. Keep up the good work with the show. It's awesome. Love the show. And we hope you have a great week. Bye-bye. Many thanks to all those listeners you just heard there. JC, Kathy, Jackson, Nicole, Emily, and Lindsay and Alec. Listeners, don't forget, you can share the best part of your week at any point throughout any week. Just uh, go to your little phone device, record your voice onto that phone, and email the voice file to me at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. This week, the show was produced by Anjali Sastry, Janae West, and Andrea Gutierrez. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our VP of Programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's Senior VP of Programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, thanks for listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. Happy holiday weekend. Stay safe. Shut up and dance. We'll talk soon. <laughs>